Welcome to Fits with the Founder. I'm your founder, Nick Sherburn, and I'm here with Cassie. I don't know if that's a Halloween ah, joke. Ah, 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 ah. It's Halloween week. <laughs> it's what okay. are you doing? I didn't know if it was a Halloween joke or a dig at my voice right now. <laughs> oh, well, I, you know what? Good point. Don't know. It was supposed to be Halloween, but now that I think of it, you do or you are a little hoarse from your vacation. I am. I went to Six Flags, so I apologize to all of our listeners. I sound like a frog. Yeah. Apparently, I'm a screamer. We're going to leave that one alone. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's awesome. It is our Halloween. It's our Halloween episode. I didn't think and about- we talked about this last. We we both love Halloween. Yeah, we're crazy. I love it. I, in fact, I spent the whole weekend with the family decorating the farm. I was putting skeletons all up down trees. I actually made a really cool scene where there's a skeleton in a tree stand with a bow. <sighs> and then I took another skeleton and pinned it against a tree across the thing with an arrow. And it looks like the one skeleton shot the other skeleton. Okay, I absolutely love it. That. It's awesome. Not a hundred, but I'm here for all of that. But there's a lot. I mean, we had a really fun weekend with the whole family just decorating this whole farm, doing spooky scenes, and it's just, I love it. I'm excited. So I'm coming to work. I can't wait until our next podcast because I'll tell you guys what I dressed for at work. So last year, this was before we did the podcast, for my regular Halloween costume as just a human, I dressed up as Winifred from um, Hocus Pocus. But for my work costume, I wore a shark outfit and a name that. tag that said, hello, my name is Greg Norman. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't have a costume. You know, now with the three kids, you know, we're we're sitting there planning for the kids, and I forget about myself. But uh, yeah, I don't know what I'll be. You know what I'm looking forward to is we're gonna have a, my my uh, middle child turns three turn three Sunday, but we celebrate always on Halloween because mm-hmm. he thinks Halloween's his birthday, which is great. And my mom goes, you know, do you remember popcorn balls? Yeah. You, they used to give out popcorn yeah. balls. When you do, they don't do it anymore because people are all afraid of like razor blades and stuff. Who cares? You know, what if I'm just oh kidding. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, she was, you know, the whole weekend, she's like, yeah, we found this great pop, pop, uh, popcorn ball uh, recipe and we're going to do it for next weekend for Halloween. I'm like, yes, I am oh. going to down some popcorn Bring balls. Bring me, I love popcorn. Yeah. Bring me some popcorn balls. But I hadn't thought of a popcorn ball in 20 some years. No, for sure. Well, because we don't do anything that's homemade for Halloween yeah. anymore. It's going to be great. Oh, that's awesome. But but yeah, that was my intro. I figured I'd throw some Halloween love in there. Okay, cool. And and made fun of my voice at the same time. I like <laughs> it. That's cool. Um, I mean, we don't have a ton this week because we do have an interview. Um, Chad from Fuji is one of our very good friends. So we have that coming up. Lots of great insights there. You guys are going to love that. But um, I know we have a couple small club champion things. So hit us with the demo news. So I think, you know, one of them I thought about, you know, every week, we, I guess I just don't plan very well for this. I, we totally forgot to overlook the Callaway UW. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's we just a, talk about stuff all the time. Well, so we forget. it's also this little like weird launch. Like it's something that derived off tour. They wanted something that was between a hybrid and a fairway wood kind of this this Frankenstein golf club and so you know they launched it and we have them in the stores and we've had them in the stores now I think for like a month so we should have talked about it but it's something unique it's it's that kind of in-betweener it's kind of like a fairway wood head that takes a fairway wood shaft but it kind of it's the plays of a hybrid length nice. it's it's different but it's cool and for some folks it's been working really good so they're in the store sorry we forgot to tell you about it no Please. and we're gonna have uh, one of our upcoming quick hits videos on YouTube will be about it so you guys can learn more about the tech and the specs I think one of the big things this week that people saw probably out there was uh, Titleist launching a new golf ball called the RCT, which is a golf ball that's made to help read uh, with indoor simulator radar-based units. And um, there's we've gotten a lot of questions about it. And for folks that don't know, when you come to get fit at Club Champion, the golf ball has a little foil dot that we put on it. So whatever golf ball we use in the bay, we put this little foil dot, and it helps make sure that we ensure we get great numbers. Well, 
well through, you know, how many times our golf balls get hit and just the repetitive and all that. These foil dots are constantly coming off, putting them on, all this thing. Not a big deal. We've lived with it forever. That's how people have done it. But what's nice is we've gotten so big and, you know, we have such great partners in Titleist and TrackMan. We all work together to create a golf ball that doesn't require a foil dot. The actual foil is underneath the cover. And you can kind of see that on some of the marketing they have. But um, it's been really cool. We've been testing it here at headquarters for the full year. It just eliminates our fitters having to put the dot on the ball. Of course, if you wanted to use a different ball, we could always use a different ball and put the foil dot on. But at least for the main fitting that we do, we can use this ball and we don't have to worry about the foil dots and it gets really good data as well. So it's kind of cool. It's something different. Um, I think there's a lot of questions. I know Cassie said somebody came in on social media and said, well, does that mean my old fitting was not right? No, this is not changing anything the way we do it, except for the fact that we don't have to use the little foil dot on the ball. Yeah, it's just better technology. It's the next step. It's the next step. And it, it is nice because our fitters won't have to sit there and redot their golf balls every night. So they'll yeah. be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to make their jobs easier. Um, any other demos? They no, not really. I mean, there's going to be some shafts coming out. And like we've talked about, there's some others. But right now, that's that's what we've been putting uh, the new stuff. But again, we're in October. It slows down. We start seeing the new stuff coming, but not actually put much in the stores. Yeah, just a little slow season as we ramp up for Q1 of 2022. Um, okay, so tour news. So Rory won the CJ Cup. That's his 20th win, which is pretty incredible. I mean, he's in his 30s. Like he's well, didn't they say like he played pretty good at the, he played okay, pretty good at the Ryder Cup? And I think that just like I remember talking like he he did took a story or he was doing an interview and he was saying you know this kind of reinvigorated me mm-hmm. like I kind of want to go and practice real hard and then go out and sure enough it looks like that's what he did he you know practiced real hard and then went out and won the CJ Cup which is great and you know it's always good to have Rory up there I mean I think Rory generally speaking is a crowd one of the crowd favorites I was a little salty because Ricky Fowler was looking like he was so, gonna take it. I, I agree. I was pulling for Fowler because we all want to see Fowler make a comeback. Yeah. He's had some struggles. And I think he just announced they're having a child, aren't they? Yeah, they, yeah, they, uh, they know I think it's going to be a baby girl, but yeah. they... But, um, you know, yeah, that would have been really cool. But it's good. He still finished at the near the top of the leaderboard, and Rory gets the win, and that's awesome. I guess. I just <laughs> love Ricky Fowler so much. Um, and then Matsuyama also followed up his Masters win with the, the Zozo. Zuzu. Yeah, Zuzu, Zozo. Zozo. Wait. I don't what? know. Zozo? Is it Zozo or Zuzu? I, I think it's Zuzu. I, I think it's Zozo. I'm but. part Japanese. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure. Here's the thing. that Hideki had won since his Masters, Masters win. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was good to see him return back. I mean, he's a good player. And oh, he's awesome. Pulled it out. Yeah, that's cool. And then, so other tour news, uh, those both already happened, and then one that's coming up. So speaking of the shark, Greg Norman, <laughs> um, he's got his sort of unofficial PGA Tour event, um, the QBE shootout, and it's basically like the 24, 24 of the best players in the world and 23 of them are men the 24th is Lexi Thompson. Awesome. Yeah. So you get Lexi, uh, Lexi in there. I know. That's super exciting. And Our I'm, Lexi commercial's coming out soon. That is. So basically, a few days after this launches, you guys will we'll have some November things coming up for you, and you'll get to see Lexi Thompson on your golf channel. Awesome. Yeah. It'll be fun. Um, anything else going on in the golf world? I mean, kind of a fun thing I saw, because you know I like to pull in the Twitters and whatever the, the world. The Twitters. The Twitters. <laughs> the tweets and the Twitters. And, you know, uh, when I go on the intraweb and I, I look at these things, I saw that Tony Finau was... Uh, uh, helping Dwayne Wade courtside with his golf swing, which is pretty hilarious. That's there's a lot. Don't there. you? I always joke. I go, there's always that guy that sits there and does like the air swing, and he's like, yeah, look at this, and this is how I take it back. And it's like there's no club in their hand. They're just like, yeah, look at my air swing, and that was what they were doing. And it's, 
I don't know. I, first of all, as a golf geek, I'm fine with it. But if you're not a golf geek, you have to look at that and go, like my wife, she would be like, losers, and then walk <laughs> away. <laughs> I mean, whatever floats your boat, Tony Finau. You're, you're a badass. It's fine. Um, okay, cool. So I don't think we have a ton of news, which is great. So we'll dive right in with Chad from Fuji in just a second. Boom. Boom. <sighs> So we're here with Chad Emery, Chad uh, from Fujikura Composites. I'm not quite sure, Chad. What is your title, Jack of All Trades over there? You've been there since the beginning of time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you for drawing attention to my age. Uh, <laughs> yes, official title is official title is Jack of All Trades. Um, I, I think, quite honestly, uh, whatever whatever part of Fujikura needs me to get involved with, I'm happy to do it. And it keeps things fresh around here. So uh, my official title is global sales manager. Um, but You do but not do sound confident. <laughs> well, well, this, you know, is, this is the backstory of what I love about this is, you know, we try to bring on industry people that you may not always hear from, although Chad has been put out there into the wild with Fujikura on some of their social and videos and whatnot. But Chad is one of the longest reigning industry friends that I have that um, at a lot of levels thinks the same way, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, And we've had a lot of fun over the years, which we'll talk about, but I never really know what Chad's title is because Chad and his crew can basically do it all. So it's it's kind of a fun kind of thing. Yes, yes. I'm I'm one of the one of the one of the long-standing guys that still talk to you, Nick. So that's a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's true. And I don't know why you do that because I mean I beat you up on the golf course just so often. Why would you want to be around me? As, you know? Yeah, I, I've I've contemplated over the years kind of just going incommunicado with you, but but I love you too much to do that, man. It would ruin it would ruin good times in my life. So you're stuck with me thick and thin, pal. I feel like well, we already owe the listeners like a preemptive apology for how this is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I would hope we owe them a you're welcome before whoo, we start. Ooh, yeah. right? okay. We're going to be off the cuff here. We're going to have a good time. And I think that's what golfers really enjoy at the end of the day is having a good time. You're not yeah, wrong. Chad and Chad and I have a historic 20 year record of smack talk. So um, <laughs> that, that, that starts on the golf course and just bleeds into everything else that we have an interaction with. So that's normally how we like to do it. Oh, boy. We're going to keep it authentic. All right. Then. <laughs> so let's let's start with the start then. So you guys have your 20 year friendship and whatnot. And you mentioned that Chad's been in the industry since day one. So. Hit us with your history, your golf history, how you got into the industry, why you're still in the industry. Like, hit us with all of it. Okay. Wow. This will this hopefully will be quick because we're gonna lose some some uh, some listeners right now. Um, <laughs> I went to college, uh, got out, owned my own dry clean delivery service business. Uh, I'd been in sales pretty much my entire life, um, which was very short at that time. But that's that's where my background was. Golfed since I was a Ute with my grandpa, always loved the sport. I sold my dry cleaning delivery service, uh, made a, a pretty decent chunk of change at the time for myself. And I thought, I'm not having fun. I want to do something that I enjoy for the rest of my life. So uh, having the foresight, I went to uh, San Diego Golfers College. I forget the name, pardon me uh, if they're listening. Um, graduated there with an AA in business golf course, business management. I actually tried to be uh, an instructor and assistant professional for a little bit. Um, found That's out frightening that with teaching, your golf game. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that that kind of led me down a path of I never want to try to teach 80-year-old people how to golf. Um, 
Just watching no, you, yourself is kind of like that. Sorry, I won't interrupt again. No, no, we're good. You you jump in anytime. You're you're fits. You're you're the founder. Um, yeah. So uh, so after doing that for a little bit, I said, no, hell no, I, I can't I can't do this. So I jumped back into the sales side. Worked at a couple smaller companies. Um, a competitor of where I'm at now. Uh, and then I worked at a company called Liquid Metal Golf. Uh, some of you may remember that, the space age technology that really stuck. Uh, it's no longer here. Um, then I got a job at Fuji Care Composites back in 1999, maybe 2000, uh, set up what we now call our aftermarket program. Uh, that's kind of around the time I met Nick. It might've been a year or so after that. Uh, and then the rest is history. I've been here ever since. Um, I think I made the right move um, for myself and... There we go. There you have it. Five cent tour. I I think for and I and I think that's brilliant. And I think yeah. I mean Fujikur. When I think of Fujikur and I think of Chad Emery, when we were starting, you know, a lot of you heard me say this. You know, it's been almost twenty three years now. I've been in this. Fujikur was one of the first companies to really create what they called like a charter dealer network. Somewhere, somebody who you know, a network of club fitters that were qualified to do the job that they could sell their products in. And it was really the first brand to really come to light and, and provide products to the club fitter. I mean, there was some that could argue before, but you kind of took it to the next level of Fujikura of, you know, setting up club fitters with what they need and the great products and the offerings. And so, I mean, one of my questions, you know, off this initial question is, is what, what was the foresight? Was that, what was the team at Fujikura thinking and doing that made them think, you know what, that long ago, we need to get into these stores and we need to make sure we have a network set up and all that. Well, our, the, the foresight I had was the fact that, that there wasn't any money being made in our industry anymore for a club maker, right? So, so back in 1995, when I'm playing as an assistant professional, our club maker was a guy, I want to say his name was Jerry on the 15th fairway at my golf course, uh, Escondido Country Club, um, that you would basically go by, you'd get a shaft component that you'd buy for 30 bucks. You bring it over to Jerry, you'd yell at his back porch and say, dude, Jerry, I need your help. And he'd make it. And then the next time you played, you stopped off at Jerry's, you gave him a six pack or 20 bucks and you're on your way. It wasn't really a, a, a business scenario for anyone. Uh, I think one of the most expensive shafts on the market at that time was about probably 40, 45, 50 bucks installed. And, and you know, I mean, that's not a living for any Anybody. So, so the club maker kind of lived in obscurity off the 15th on every golf course on the planet. And so what we wanted to do is bring back, you know, a little bit of money-making opportunity. Now we came out with a speeder 757, which was really kind of our onset into this marketplace. And, and I remember calling guys up and telling them what it costs and getting laughed at for, I would say a good six months to a year. Uh, and then when it finally started taking off on the tour scene, uh, I would get those calls back from the people that laughed and said, Hey man, hook me up, hook up with a speeder 757. I hear it's the end all be all. Now we took shafts and added materials and technology that had never been in these shafts before. And so with that, it kind of took off and sprouted. Now we also didn't want to sell to, to distributors, right? Cause that also undercuts the ability for a club maker to make a little bit of money and do what he loves to do. So, so our whole vision was give a great and better product to a custom club maker, let him make a little bit of money and let him give a better product to the consumer at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I remember it was a 750. I was one of those. Well, my partner, ever. We, I mean, I remember we'd sit there and go, wow, we're at, this is an expensive shaft. And then you'd be like, well, it's, we've never designed a shaft like this with the things we've put into it and the research we've done. This is going to be the highest performing shaft you've seen on the market ever. And true enough, it did. It took the world by storm. And then you started branching out from there. And it, it's still, you know, I, I, I guess the earliest graphite high end shaft 
I could think of is AJ Tech, but I don't. I also don't think there was a lot of tech in that. I think 757 was their first mainstream high performance golf shaft that I can really name. Yeah, well, AJ Tech, I remember him well. Um, you know, you're right. There wasn't a lot of technology. It was more a lightweight kind of platform and kind of a boutique type thing. And if you remember, there wasn't really a lot on play on tour. You know, he didn't he didn't have that success. He just kind of kind of wrapped it in yeah. a bow and said these things are super special. Whereas the Speeder 757, you know, we were getting 15, 20 wins a year with that thing and, and everyone was playing it. So the technology obviously proved itself out on the highest stage. And from there, it just kind of transcended down the marketplace because soon after we came out with Speeder 661, uh, Speeder 553, Speeder 569. So we kind of softened those up and made those more playable for everyday players rather than just tour stars. So, yeah, it was it's been a good journey, man. It's been a lot of fun. Well, I mean, Fujikura has become probably one of the most recognizable brands out there as far as golf chefs. I mean, I still joke all the time with him. Me and Chad have had this discussion. I have this with a lot of shaft vendors. Still, most of the customers that come in don't really know anything about golf shafts and they don't really even know brands that well. I mean, Fujikura is probably one of the most recognizable, if not the most recognizable in that premium uh, golf shaft, graphite golf shaft world. I mean, you didn't start there. Obviously, we just talked about that. How did how did how did you guys kind of rise to become kind of that leader in that in that space? That's a great question. I, I think you know, trying not to be redundant here. I mean, it was a speeder seven by seven. It was a it was a it was a material we called triax. So it was a multi-directional fiber that kind of helped stabilize the shaft, keep it keep it from going out of round through impact. And so once we decided to go to work with materials that weren't commonplace in the industry, uh, we kind of took that as our mainframe movement in R&D going forward. So we decided we need materials that, that have never been seen before in this space, and we need to find out how to integrate those into making better golf shafts. So for us, it's always been a chase to find the latest, greatest materials. And you'll see that up to this day with, with the VeloCore technology and the materials we use there. Um, but yeah, we've just always kind of wanted to be that leader in the forefront in high-end materials uh, and put them in shafts that are designed well and perform well. So uh, we hope we stay there. And it's good to hear that, that that's the feedback you get is, is we are still very well known in that space because that is obviously our goal. Do you like, you know, I think one thing all our listeners, you know, we've we've talked about this with like steel shafts and stuff, construction. But, you know, when it, when you're designing a graphite shaft, like what goes into that process? Like, OK, I'm going to start working on the shafts we're going to launch next year. What is Fujikura looking at? Like what kind of things like whether it's research or, um, you know, whatever it is they're doing, you guys are doing to find what's going to be the next greatest thing. And how are we going to advance the shaft technology for the coming year. Yeah, it, it's a whole host of things, right? I mean, we start internally with with what our product line possibly is missing. Uh, we we look at tour trends. Um, is stuff getting lighter? Is stuff getting heavier? Is stuff getting more counterbalanced? Are heads getting heavier? Are they getting lighter? Uh, we look at aftermarket voice of customer trends. We call guys like you and say, what are you seeing? Um, and then we we task our engineers uh, to find the latest materials, use the latest technologies. Uh, obviously, we have an in-house system here called ENSO, which allows us to see things pre and post impact. Don't want to get into the weeds on that, but there are so many factors that come into play for, for Fujikura in next year's product run. Uh, and it's and it's based on, again, a multitude of things that we see in the marketplace happening from tour all the way down to average Joe's. 
I think a lot of people always, you know, sometimes the graphite shafts and you guys have this as a struggle. Um, I know all shaft manufacturers do because it's hard to see the tech, right? It's kind of, it's in the, it's under the paint. It's in the graphite. And so sometimes the tech gets lost. But when you think about, if you were to tell a, a listener right now in your mind of being in the golf industry, as long as you have and being in the shaft side, as long as you have, do you think we're at the beginning, middle, end of shaft advancement and shaft technology? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we, well, you, you go through stagnant periods, right? You know, there's there's not there's not a lot collectively sometimes that comes out, and then all of a sudden there's a whole host of stuff that comes out. So I guess what I could say is, optimistically speaking, I think we're just at the beginning. Um, we came out with Ventus three years ago, and we thought it was a good shaft. And thank God the rest of the world shared our opinion on that. And it's, it's literally become the best selling shaft we've ever had. Uh, but that came after maybe a year or two of a little stagnation. Not to say that we didn't come out with better products or good products, but there wasn't that huge jump forward in technology that we had with the Ventus uh, that now has catapulted us into, into places we've never been before. So we could see the, we could see the clouds open up in the next month and, and all of a sudden a pouring of, of technology comes flooding out because, you know, material vendors too, they, they, they play it the same way, right? They're trying to please us. They're trying to please Boeing. They're trying to please anybody that uses composite prepeg material in, into using better and uh, more technologically advanced materials, which is where we are. So, we're at the beginning, Nick. We're going to still see some great stuff coming around the corner. I, I share that. I share that enthusiasm. I share that thought. I mean, it's to me, when I look at the 20 years I've seen just the advancements, I'm like, okay, we've done great things. But if we were to put this, I still think from a material standpoint, the things we're learning through systems like you have with Enzo, understanding how shafts bend and, un, you know, um, you know, load and unload, all those kind of things. I still think there's a lot of areas that we can go. And I, I still think, you know, one of the things is, is people need to understand is the golf shaft business specifically like graphite is not a huge business, right? Like it's not like the, all these businesses, like you guys have millions of dollars to pour into R and D and stuff like that. So at the same time, you can't just like over innovate so fast because you just don't have the dollars to do it. So it's kind of one of those things that you're learning as you go and you're getting better. And I think we, we it, it's going to speed up as the industry gets bigger and the space for graphite gets bigger, which we're going to talk about. But I, I think, I think there's still a long way to go. And, and that's exciting for me as a golfer that wants to to get better. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. So Chad, we'll you guys, sorry, you guys mentioned that, you know, you kind of take tour trends into consideration when you're designing and that's kind of one of the steps that you take. Um, and I, when I was looking ahead of this call, it looks like Fuji has what, like 50 some odd tour players across all of the tours, something like that. So, um, could you talk a little bit about, um, tour influence on your design specifically and, and how you guys take their games into consideration when you're looking at new products and when you're specking out something that might be tour specific or or, um, you know, deciding if you're going to keep it on tour or release it to the masses or however it goes. Like how, how do the tour players play into what you do? A great question. Um, obviously I'm held back a little bit talking sure. about all the wonderful tour players that play my product. Uh, but, but there's a multitude of considerations, right? We have some of the best, we have the best uh, tour reps on the planet, Papakoy, uh, John Hovis, Marshall Thompson. Uh, and they, they're constantly keeping up with the trends and, and it's not, it's not, player specific necessarily. I mean, obviously there are guys on tour that, that 
are the the pyramid of influence, right? We all know who those guys are. And and to have those guys in your stable is extremely important and valuable to your company. So I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that that those names were talked about behind our closed doors, if said players are searching for particular characteristics, you know? So Pat McCoy will be on the range. He'll overhear some conversation between a player, his handler, his caddy. Uh, he also has a multitude of stats that we keep with our statistician out there that, that he can see trends. And so a lot of it's derived there. A lot of it is also derived from the head manufacturers. So our relationship with a TaylorMade and a Callaway and a Titleist and a Cobra, uh, we have those conversations with them on what is potentially coming out uh, and how how those those dynamics of that club might change from its predecessor. And we can be ahead of that curve coming out with product that might marry better for that. And so uh, the tour is a strong influencer because we think if if one player is trying to become 0.1 strokes better than another to earn $5 million and they're picking our products over and over and over, we gain a, a substantial advantage even with the aftermarket of the average golfer because that technology translates itself down into softer flexes, into lighter flexes, but it still uses the same technology, which if works for said player winning $15 million on tour, then will work obviously for Joe Sixpack playing to beat his buddies on Saturday. Well, I think that's I think that's kind of one of the questions too we had was you know and the, the question was kind of like how does custom fitting play into development of uh, process at Fuji? I could tell you from our end as a partner, there's plenty of conversations me and you have had about what we're seeing out there as far as weights and uh, profiles and flexes and torques and all that and over the year. But I mean, is is the club fitter you know a big part of what you're doing? Just not tour, but the club fitter itself. Trying you you have the tour that helps you on that side, but the club fitter helps you on the everyday side. Absolutely. Without question. And, and I'm remiss for not mentioning that ahead of time. I, I, that's in, in all fairness, I'm not, I'm not kissing up to you. You know me better than that, Nick. Um, it, it's extremely important feedback. When I say voice a customer, you're my customer and, and, and the input you give and what you're seeing at a ground level uh, is paramount to us making products that we do on a regular basis. There's, there's no doubt there. There's not much more important. Obviously, if I make a shaft for the number one player in the world, uh, that's not hittable uh, to 99.9% of the people that aren't on some of the blog sites. Um, so, so we need to make this. So guys like myself that come in that are notoriously shorter than others uh, can have something that can bring my game back up to where I can hang tough with a guy like Nick bombing it way down there. Yeah. I like that you're owning up to your pea shooters. That's fantastic. But you know what? Yeah, well, we, we don't, we won't hold it against you. Being I will honest say, you know, in this business is important, Nick. <laughs> for uh, you know, I will say like Ventus to me was like the shit and it's been wildly successful in our stores and for you all over. But you know, that was something like a little softer in the handle, but a very stable tip section. I mean, it was everything as a club fitter I wanted and then making it a series where you had your kind of low, medium, high, for lack of better terms or easier to understand. And I mean, it's a home run. And I mean, that was, it was big. And so, you know, I feel like some of that was listening to the club fitter going, Hey, we need something stable, but also something they can swing and create some load on. And, and that's what we got. And it was awesome. 
Yeah, no doubt that that's been that's been a, a huge product for us, and that was definitely uh, I guess you can even throw in a co-designed a little asterisk on that as as the club fitter and and PGA Tour would would both be influential in in bringing that shaft to market. No doubt. Yeah, I think it brought the two worlds together pretty well, actually, and uh, it's been it's been good to see. Now, the one thing I want you to touch on because I get this all the time from golfers, from golf riders is the whole graphite iron shaft. And, you know, everybody still thinks it's like for slow swingers or people that need help or my elbows hurt. And although those things can be all true, correct? It's now graphite to me is almost superior to steal in some ways due to technology, manufacturing, everything. Why don't you give the listeners of why they should, every person on the planet should, it may not be for them, but they should be trying it in a club fitting. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you, you almost got it correct there. You said, you said, you think they're almost superior. Damn it. They are superior. Let's be real here. Let's call it what it is. Um, the design concept or, or the, the research and development, the engineering options you have making graphite over steel is, is, enormous, right? So, so when I'm making graphite, I can have multiple flag layups making a product, which means that I can change the rigidity, the torsional stiffness, uh, the flexual rigidity, um, the, the, the firmness or softness of a part of a shaft all over that shaft, right? To, to create a desired ball flight, to create a desired feel. Uh, steel is an extruded metal that is in theory, an even wall thickness from top to bottom. So you're, you're limited just out the gate when you're talking about engineering opportunities with a particular product. Um, beyond that, it's it's everything you just said. I, you know, I, again, I'm going to admit my weak points here for you just because I love you, Nick. But um, and I got a little tennis elbow, which which I know is an older man's thing. You're going to get it too, and I'll <laughs> laugh when you get it. But graphite's been a savior for that, right? And and I want to play this game as long as possible. That I'm in all honesty, you can look at hitting your target, hitting consistent distances for irons. Those all happen now. That's all in the game for graphite iron shafts. But when you talk about longevity in a game that everybody plays because they love and they want to play it as long as humanly possible, the the benefits that you get medicinally on your body are are tenfold over what steel is. Uh, I play more often. I play longer. Uh, I play better. I, I have more accurate iron shots. I have longer iron shots. I have the ability to put in iron shafts that shoot low in 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 wind, high and no wind. So. There are so many benefits about playing graphite iron shafts. And yes, it's no longer something that once I hit a certain age or once I hit a certain physical condition, uh, we have guys here and you know them and you played with them. Dave Schneider, who's played on tour, Marshall Thompson, who's a plus five, plus six. I don't even know what he is now. It's ungodly. Uh, both play graphite iron shafts. And so at the end of the day, I don't think there's a golfer that walks through your door. There may be an exception or two that says I'm too strong for graphite or uh, I will overpower graphite and I would have them play Marshall and Dave Schneider to tell me otherwise that they might be able to handle some graphite. Well, and you're starting to see more players on the PGA tour start to warm up to it too. And so, you know, I know at our stores, it's one of those things like we interject graphite all the time for all the reasons you just talked about. And a lot of times we have to have this discussion. It's like, it's not what you, 
and a lot of people don't realize it. Like graphite isn't light anymore. You can have graphite the same weight as steel or lighter. It's like the not only is the design spectrum wider than steel, but also the weight structures are different. They are wider than steel. So you can have all the same weights you had in steel now in graphite plus lighter that you can't even make in steel. So I really think, you know, that like we got to lift that and keep talking about it to get people yeah. over the edge of it's okay to play graphite in your irons. It's okay. Yeah. I play graphite in my irons. It's okay. I don't know if we want to follow what you do as a rule, though. That's true. That's that's a good point. <laughs> um, I'll follow you, pal. Do whatever Nick do the opposite of what Nick does, and you'll be okay. Is that what? That's probably I, what my wife. That's probably what my wife would say. I didn't say it. You said it. But yeah, right. <laughs> um, Chad, I have a question that. We, uh, we did not bring up ahead of time, so feel free to gracefully bow out of it if you can't or won't answer it, but I'm curious. Um, what are your thoughts on the hidden technology in Autoflex shafts? Oh, man. Oh, he's bowing out. No, I, I'm not gonna <laughs> bow out. Um, if, I, look, it, the name kind of says it all, right? I mean, it's hidden technology. If if you can't discuss it, well, I, I'm, you know, who knows? I, look, thank you. <laughs> in our business, in our business, everyone's looking for something new, and I'm talking on the consumer side, and even even to an extent, a club champion side, right? Like, like you want new, you want exciting. New and exciting doesn't necessarily mean better, right? I mean, there was there was new Coke that kind of took a, a steamy dump, um, you know, that came out and left. That's a bit uh, right there. Yeah, the, <laughs> I didn't mean you can edit that out if you'd like to. No, we're um, leaving that right in there. Yeah, Steamy that's saying. Edit, do whatever you want. Uh, but the end of the day, I, you know, it, it kind of had a little splash. It certainly didn't stick around on tour. Um, you know, it is what it is. They came out with a new shaft. It happens. You remember that, that company, Nick, called Stoltz? Um, oh, was, those were great with the little triangle on the tip. The yeah, see? You know, we were around during that little stunt. That thing got hot for a little bit because everyone thought, hell, what triangle? It's got to be better. Um, they come and go. Right. And 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 people pop up, make a couple bucks and, and then move on. But uh, I don't know. A hidden technology to me is kind of strange. If you want to know about our technology, I'll, I'll tell you all about it. Um, I'm not going to say anything's hidden or off limits. I may not give you details so people can copy it, but but I'll I'll explain it so you understand it. But either way, it is what it is. It's a pretty pink. God bless them. I hope they do well. That was that was a good answer. That was that was a that lot was more good. robust. That was, that was diplomatic. When people ask me, I tell them, "Hey, you know what? I could take you over there and I could sell you a fifty gram soft R flex if you want, and it'll do the same thing and save you some money." Yeah, Nick's yeah. like one step away from just being like, "It's bullshit. Don't." <laughs> I, I I I say it. I just don't like it. I don't like when you can't tell me and I can't tell the customer. And I think Chad agrees with that, which was his point: was yeah. if you can't explain it to the customer, then I'm not going to sell it. So, um, what I can't explain, and I know enough about shaft manufacturing, and I'll say it since you know Chad has to play nice, um, a little nicer, is to me. It's, I want to sell anything that's great, right? But I also don't want to sell it if I can't explain it. And number two, if I know enough about shaft making that there is no such thing as hidden. All they did was make it softer and they made it lighter and they didn't put any of that on there and they made you guessing and now you feel okay doing it. So the person that never wanted to get rid of that 60 gram stiff, now went in, but needed to get into a 50 gram R, now can do it and they don't have to think about it because it's just, it's auto flex. Great marketing. Yeah, it's like great that. marketing. It's great. It's yep. awesome. And it's pretty. You're not it's gonna see you're not gonna see it at Club Champion because I'm not gonna sell it if I don't believe in it. And that's I, I could have made you know, we could have sat here and made a couple bucks off it, but we're not going to. So we'll move on. 
move on because I get my blood pressure going. When we start <laughs> um, yes, deep breaths. So, yeah, and to steamy dump. Okay. Um, <laughs> I can't get rid of that out of my head right now. That was fantastic. <laughs> um, so before we get into some fun questions, what is next for Fujikur? I mean, we kind of touched on it, but is there anything you can share that's like, you know, about Fuji and the future a little bit or? Yeah, well, um, yeah, well, yeah, we're, you know, life's a garden, baby, dig it. Um, we are, we are in the process right now of one-upping our Ventus shaft. Um, I, you know, I'd love to give all the, the details. This could be our, this could be our coming out party right here in terms of what's next on Fujikura's agenda. I had to qualify that. Um, we have a shaft launching February 1. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Um, we are just buttoning up final details of it now. If I had to say something without giving away anything, uh, all the technology that you've seen over the last three years, our continued work uh, on Enzo, uh, our continued work with guys like yourself, Nick, uh, with guys out on tour, uh, we have we have one-upped ourselves and it's coming soon. And I'm very excited for the launch of this product. So hang tight. You'll see it at your location probably first. Uh, so Club Champion will be geared up here soon and, and ready to rock with this bad Awesome. One. So stay tuned for the latest and greatest coming soon. Awesome. Stay tuned. Yeah. So now let, let's do let's do a fun question. And so like we like to do this from time to time. Actually, me and Cassie have kind of already answered this on prior uh, for ourselves. But who is your ideal foursome? And I know I'm one of them, but you know who else? You're my four caddy, Nick. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I can just go four right all day. I'll be in the woods all day if that's the case. I, I couldn't squeeze you in the foursome simply because we just played too much golf together. So I figured I'd give some others a chance. Okay. Um, so I put you in as my four caddy. In fact, you're my four caddy with Britney Spears. So and oh. I just had to put her in there for like a train wreck quality of the whole deal. Oh, uh, me and Britney Spears would be a train wreck. That's awesome. Actually, yeah, we got to get, get that done. That, and then we got to film that. I wanted to give you a fun time, uh, an enjoyable round, and then stories to share with grandchildren in the future. So you and Britney Spears will be my four caddies. Um, that's that's a tough question, man. You go through your head and you start racking yourself thinking, all right, you know, you don't want to seem like an idiot by saying someone that's just mundane. Then you think, oh, I should go with the whole Gandhi, Mother Teresa thing. And you go, no, I'd be the most boring round on the planet. I, you know, I'm going to, I think at the top of my list would be Chris Farley, if I could bring him back. Um, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I think Chris Farley would be an absolute blast to play with. I mean, I'm sure he would. Then you can, again, you can go kind of different ways now. Do you do you mix in personality that is completely opposite? So you have that kind of mashing? I don't know. So golfer-wise, I think I would probably throw in Jack Nicholas. Um uh, and then maybe just because you get a lot of MFers out of this guy, maybe a little Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Oh, wow. Think about Chris Farley and Samuel L. Jackson. Actually, Cassie, wasn't it you on the last one that wanted Samuel L. Jackson? Yes, because for the exact same reason, I'm a big fan of profanity and my man would carry that all the way through all 18. <laughs> I think that literally is our, our call tag or one of our teasers was me saying there's too many mother effing snakes on this mother effing course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We love us and Samuel L. Jackson on this podcast. <laughs> and we fitted him. So, like, it, this isn't just like a weird thing that we just pulled out of thin air. Like, he's a golfer. And I don't know if you've heard his like Capital One commercials, but he's talking about golf. Like, this completely makes sense. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. So, golfer 
and then his ying to yang of Chris Farley. And then you just throw poor Jack Nicholas in the mix. Like he has to <laughs> right. He's got he's got Britney Spears and Nick as my four caddy. He's got Samuel L. and Farley just going berserk in different ways. Then he's got me that he's got to take on and actually beat. So he, he'd have to grind at that point. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. yeah, so what are you drinking then on the like if you have these people around you, what's your drink of choice on the course? Wow, that kind of changes seasonally for me. I'm a seasonal guy. It never changes out of 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 hard booze, though. Um, I think traditionally around here in the San Diego area, because of our climate and how perfect it is, uh, I go with a lot of transfusions. Yeah, no, that checks out. Like that was the Ryder Cup drink of choice. That checks out. Yeah, Aren't you like a vodka a, soda guy too? You know, I'm I'm kind of a straight vodka with a lime guy, just to just to kind of slow my bathroom breaks. You know, if I can just maybe get just straight alcohol in me, I drink less well that's a lie too um yeah i was gonna say <laughs> so so if i can lessen whatever's added to it then i feel like i get i get more bang for my buck without having to to roll to that 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 wizard on a on a constant basis okay so so we're, we're we've gone kind of long but I, I we gotta get we gotta get to one story and uh for the listeners the fujikura puts out a great thing called the dealer cup every year and they've done it for what is it 10 years now yeah yeah. And the first one was at uh, Abandoned Dunes. Uh, what was that, 2011? Uh, if if memory serves correct, yes, I believe yeah. that's when it was. So they bring in the dealers, they have their staff, and they break you into Ryder Cup teams, and you play three round, four rounds of golf, three rounds of golf, and you do the different Ryder Cup matches and everything. And then the final day is singles. So the first one ever at Abandoned Dunes, on the Abandoned Dunes golf course, me and Chad went mano-to-mano singles match. And it was a battle. It was a slugfest, wasn't it, Chad? That was an, an all-timer right there, which we didn't know because it was our first our first dealer cup. But that was an all-timer. Now, here's the best part, and I can't wait for Chad to argue with me on it. We yeah, it's not we, the best part. It is the best part. <laughs> we might have four holes left in this match. And yeah, that's about it's right. A, it's a, it's like I said, it's back and forth, back and forth. One up, one down, one up, one up, one down. And we get to a par three. I don't remember what it is. It's like the 15th hole or whatever, 16th hole. And it's kind of a long hole. And I hit one long and left. And me and my caddy, we look, we look, we look, we look. And right as I'm about to concede the hole, and after could be definable, whether it was five minutes or more, because everybody else had already finished. Found my, the caddy goes, I found my, I found your ball. Well, me and Chad start talking about, I go, well, you know, I'll, I'll concede the whole chance. Like, no, 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 no. You found it. Play it. Well, I go over there just to whack it. Like literally just whack it because I'm like, I've lost the hole. And somehow I whack it and it goes in the hole. If I remember correctly. Right, Chad? Well, I think you have a lot of this story wrong, Nick, but I just want to let you finish your rendition of it. Well, long story short is, is I do end up hitting it the hole, either not that shot, but the next shot or whatever, not really trying. Then there was grumpy Chad to the next tee, which is kind of, I think I remember the drivable par four, um, or you lay up with like a seven iron left. It's right on the shore. Beautiful. And I hit driver onto the green or close to it. And it kind of just, I, I end up beating you and then you ended up acting like you pooped in my cup. Yeah. Good, good story. Good story. I remember that fondly. That was, that was a good time. Um, what was your rendition of the story? Don't I know if we got time that. left. 
Don't know if we have time left. You were doing very well up until you started describing the whole. So the whole before the part three, you pull one left into the gunch. And you and your caddy go over there. And me and my caddy are, are, of course, in the fairway waiting to hit our next. I feel almost like a sense of duty that I need to go over and help you. But everything in my being was saying, hell no. So I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. It's been at least 27 minutes, I think, at this point. We let three groups (laughs) pass through. I think the actual time that we're allowed is five minutes. But so we're now starting to play golf on a Tuesday. It's Wednesday. And and my caddy starts walking over to help you. And I look at him and I go, dude, Steve, where are you going? And he goes, I'm going to go help him look for his ball. I go, damn, you're not going to go help him look for his ball. (laughs) Then you found it. You hit it up on the green. If you look long enough, you'll find it. We, we end up pushing that hole. I don't know. I think you went in with a Pro V1 and came out with a pinnacle, but I don't know. Whatever. I'm not. Who am I to question? Then we get to that part three. Now, you hit it deep into the back bunker next to the ocean. And I think we, again, looked until Thursday now. So we started on Tuesday. Now we're Thursday. And and actually, uh, Jeremy, I believe, it might have been Jeremy and the caddy go, we got it right here. But this was five seconds after you had yelled your hole. And so I was sprinting onto the green to get my ball and they said, found it. And I go, oh man, okay. I can't be a dick now. There's no way he's going to get up and down. So we're safe anyway. And yes, that is when you hit it to like a foot, made the putt, won the hole. We go to the next hole. You end up winning the damn singles match and probably one of the most heated and contested battles that we've had since that time so congratulations i still owe you a congratulations we beat we, me. we and just for all the listeners that story comes up every year and we still have played many matches together now we're normally on the same team a lot of times too yeah. um yes, but i do like being an opposer to chad because chad is so easy to get in his kitchen rearrange all everything in every cabinet and really get underneath his skin it's it's really fun <laughs> Damn it. God, if that weren't true. Chad, you were right. This is a you're welcome situation, not an I'm sorry situation. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I that maybe sounded terrible. So it goes back to the uh, the, the conversation we had pre-show. So uh, either way, it was it was a great time. It was, it was uh, those a blast trips, every time I get you know to see what? you. The nice thing for all the listeners to understand is, is we really want to have partnerships with our brands. And when we have partnerships with our brands, not only do we get great products that sell you and fit you for, but they support our company. And so, you know, the nicest thing about Fujikura is being the partner they are. They make sure that all our fitters have the proper training, the proper tools, the proper everything to make sure that they're delivering you a really great fit and a really great product. And so Chad's part of that. And we, me and Chad have had a lot of fun and we give you, you know, we bust each other up a little bit, but it's all because, you know, we have this great partner partnership for so long and, and Fuji's been a big part of club champions growth and will continue to be. Uh, hopefully we enjoy it. And, and what you said, I agree with wholeheartedly, man. It's, it's a two way street. You guys are good to us. We're good to you. And then that way, the only person that benefits out of that are the people that come through your door and getting fit. Awesome. Man, there's no better wrap up than that. Thanks Chad for joining us and telling all the fun stories. Thanks for having me. It was great. I, I appreciate the opportunity and it's always good getting together with Nick and, and yourself. And, uh, and thanks for having me. We appreciate it. Thanks, Chad. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Fits with the Founder. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to support the show. And if you want more equipment content, follow Club Champion on Instagram.